Today we have a whole bunch of our youth with us, but they're sort of like over there, back there, so I know none of you can see them, so they're kind of in hiding like they like to be the most. But um, So you might hear me address them sort of in some specific ways today. This is kind of one of those difficult times for me where all three readings are readings that I really love and kind of hold dear. So, um, so if I get all fired up, that's probably the reason why. And so our first reading today is really an amazing, amazing reading um, for all of us. But anyone who's ever really thought about what they should do in their life at all, if you've ever really given great thought to that, um, it's an important reading. Because we see one of these amazing things in Samuel. Here am I. He's just like, he keeps showing up. He's just like, you know, here I am. And every time he comes back to Elijah, he's like, here I am. I'm ready. I'm ready. And there's something in his character, in his spirit, that shows how much he's really listening to what the will of God is, which is what we hear, that kind of derivation of that in our responsorial psalm. Here am I, Lord. I come to do your will. That's Samuel's disposition. He actually has this great, great desire to actually do what God wants him to do. And then we hear him say, you know, we hear the advice that he's given. You know, speak, Lord. You know, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Last week I had mentioned in my homily, I don't know if uh, some of you may have been there or not, you know, we're always at these different times, so we kind of get a loss of continuity at times. But one of the things I said is, the only thing I really want the Lord to say to me when I die is, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. That same thing that he says about Jesus when John the Baptist is baptizing him. That's the only thing that I want to hear the Lord say at the end of my life. And in many ways, it's just like that in that first reading. Here I am, Lord. You know, speak. Your servant is listening. Now I have to admit, I wasn't always listening. <laughs> you know, there's this opportunity that I have to speak to our youth today. And when I think about myself at their age, I wasn't the most attentive person in the world. But things have continued to unfold as my life has gotten, gone on. And there's moments I could even really think of, oddly, I would think of what was it that I paid attention to at Mass? Was there stuff that I actually paid attention to at Mass when I was younger? And a lot of it, I wasn't necessarily paying attention to. But you know one of the things I actually paid attention to that was kind of unusual was the purifying of the vessels. Oddly, for some reason, of all the things I had trouble paying attention to, I, I sort of was intrigued by the fact of how much care at least the priests that I grew up with took at purifying those vessels at the end of Mass. Just the way he wiped everything with the purificator and it was all neat and stuff like that. And it was funny because as I found that that's the priest that I became was, was that one that I sort of watched as I grew up. And so it's odd the things that kind of speak to us and that we pay attention to. And this story, this calling of Andrew and Peter is extremely near and dear to my heart because I had this a very similar experience in my own life. And of course, my name is Peter, and I have a first cousin whose name is Andrew. And our vocations are sort of intertwined with each other. Now, everybody knows about me that like, I'm like the rock climbing priest or the mountaineering priest. That's one of those things that I like to do. I loved it. I mean, it was one of my 
it was my profession for, for a lot of my life before I entered the seminary. Just as you see Andrew and Peter, they were fishermen. They had this kind of physical profession at that point in their life. But when the Lord comes their way, they're completely redirected by him. They're so taken by him because they really were waiting for a Messiah. And so they were sort of poised. It was like, speak, Lord. You know, I'm, I'm ready. You know, speak to me. Your servant is listening. And so they follow him. And in my own life, you know, I, I had always felt that I was sort of a little bit wandery. I didn't really understand a whole lot about the faith. And I showed up to, I was a dutiful son. I showed up to mass. I listened to my parents, generally speaking. And, um, but then one time, I, I spoke at a rehearsal dinner at a wedding. And when I was speaking, not long after that, my cousin, Andrew, who's younger than me, he sent me a message on, on just Facebook Messenger at one point. And he just, and it was long, you know, it was like one of these long messages. And, and he was asking me all kinds of things about the faith. And so I started to respond to him about the faith. And then at the very end, I said, why did you ask me? <laughs> you know, I had no idea why he was asking me. And his simple response was, you're the first one in the family that I ever heard speak about God the way that you spoke about him at the wedding, um, like you knew him. And his transformation was also my transformation because he saw something in me that I didn't even really see in myself. He saw that God was important to me. And I think he was, but I didn't even know it, if, if, if that can make sense to any of you. It was just like I'd realized that he was important, but I really wasn't doing anything, acting on that in any sort of way in my life. But then my cousin saw this thing in me, and that began the beginning of his reversion, and, and, and in many ways, my own as well. And in a lot of ways, he sort of caught up to me. As the story goes, and this is a true story, he was supposed to go picking cherries in Australia. My cousin's back on the East Coast. He has two brothers. They, they, were, they loved to surf. You know, we grew up, I grew up in New York and New Jersey, and we grew up on the coast. And so they really loved to surf. So he was going to go pick cherries in Australia and live the surfing dream. That was his plan. But on his way to Australia, first he came to Portland to come visit me. And while he was here, he, you know, he hadn't been to Mass in, since his confirmation, as the story often goes. It had been many years since he'd been part of the sacraments at all. But then we started to visit with each other, and at that point I had finally turned some sort of a corner by the time I had arrived here in Portland. And I was volunteering at the cathedral and then also Holy Family. And, um, and at that point, my faith was kind of enlivened in my life. I was actually living my faith. And so I took him to church, and we went around. We had lots of discussions, but he was still really struggling. And so we went to the cathedral in Seattle. We went to the cathedral here. And then eventually I was like, you know, let me take him to Holy Family because it's got a different, you know, our churches sometimes have a different feel to them. So we went over to Holy Family, and it really spoke to him. There was something about the pastor that really spoke to him. There was something about the environment that really spoke to him, and I had to go coach a competition, so I was leaving for a couple of days. So I left, and he was here. 
And by the time I got back, he decided not to go to Australia, and he stayed here for like three weeks longer. And then by the time he left, he went to Mass, confession, and received the Eucharist for the first time since his confirmation and called himself Catholic. That was an absolute miracle that, that the Lord allowed me to witness, to be a part of. And more than that, more than that, I feel like I can say, as those two brothers, Peter and Andrew, follow our Lord, almost like St. John the Baptist say, there is one greater coming after me. And I really think that that's my cousin Andrew. Of course, I became a priest, but my cousin Andrew... He now goes by the name of Brother Rufino Joseph, and he's a Franciscan friar of the Renewal, and he lives in Honduras, serving the poor. In so many ways, I think somebody greater was coming after me, and I think even though we were kind of called together, and our vocations were like intertwined with one another, um, I mean, I'm so unbelievably proud of him of the life each other. I mean, I don't know, you know, it's just like, I think to sometimes, I think to myself, I was like, well, after the Spanish Mass tonight, I'll go over in my little house, my little rectory right there, while my cousin's in Honduras, and he's sleeping on the floor. And he's a hero to me. But we bring each other into the faith. We help each other along. Those that are having a hard time we try to inspire them and teach them and allow them to understand something about the faith. So like I said, one of my other favorite readings happened to be here, our second reading. That, that reading that overlaps Corinthians 6.19 is one of my first favorite verses in all of Scripture. Your, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you. So much of my life, I have been an athlete and I've worked, I mean, I worked out today, had a new, a new personal record in the deadlift today for all of you that like to lift weights, which is, which is amazing for me. So a lot of my life was, has been around physical culture, about exercising, lifting weights, and doing all of these things. And so to take care of our body. But we can't just take care of our body if we do not take care of our soul, of our immortal soul. Because as I've mentioned before, here. We have our tabernacle up here that stores our Lord in the Eucharist after the bread is consecrated. To be a temple of the Holy Spirit is to be a living tabernacle. And, and there's times, in spite of ourselves, sometimes we don't even know it, but people see that in us. They can actually see our faith. They see our belief in action. And that's what we're called to be in our lives. We come here to a Mass, and we receive the Lord in the Eucharist, and for a short period of time, we are a living tabernacle. The Lord is actually inside us as we walk out into the world. And so what we receive what needs to reflect what's on the outside, how we actually act, and what we put into the world. That's the most important part of our life. And if we could do that one thing, then it orients us on the right track. And, and it's an amazing track. I mean, there are so many circumstances of my life, the blessings 
between my cousin and I that, that I could never have imagined would happen. I, he lives in Honduras, but he got to come to my ordination as a deacon in Rome. And I just happened to be on my pastoral year back in the United States when he made his solemn profession. And I was able to be the deacon at his solemn profession. All of these things lined up. They're not coincidences. The Lord sometimes gives us these gifts. He peels back these, this veil of our life sometimes so that we can actually see him operating in our life just the way that Andrew and I operated in one another's life, that we've inspired each other. I mean, there's... It's sort of like a mirror. There's moments that I look at the Eucharist, and I remember my cousin, I see him. Because I know somewhere half a world away he's receiving the same thing as me it is the thing that binds all of us in this church together and sometimes it takes nearly a lifetime to understand it but for all of those of you that are younger than me and see a lot of your faithful parents and grandparents here in this church, see me uh, crying here before you, it took me a long time to come to this conclusion. Don't let it take that long. We actually have a part in this, a real participation. If we seek to listen to the Lord like Samuel, if we just give him ourselves our willingness to actually listen to his guidance that one thing can change everything it can move our move mountains in your life i just listened to confessions last weekend at the at a retreat for guys discerning the priesthood just on 170th at our lady of peace retreat house men who are listening listening to the lord and you know what Twelve years ago, I sat at that retreat. I sat at that retreat, and guess who I met at that retreat? Father Brent Crow. Father Brent Crow, it was the first time I had ever met him was at that retreat. And then who else was at that retreat? Who told me about that retreat? Father Jeff Irvin, who's in charge of vocations for the Archdiocese of Portland. And I sat there with those men. And I told them, I was like, when I was sitting here, I don't know a little bit what it's like to feel what, you feel, what you're feeling. I know exactly what it's like to be in your shoes. And I said to them, at the time when I first met Brent, I had to go to the retreat twice. It took me twice to get through the retreat to go to the seminary. But the first time, I had a girlfriend, I had a job that I loved, and I was like, Lord, if I am going to do this, you are going to need to move mountains in my life. And a year later, he did that very thing. I still remember one of the most afraid I've ever been in my life was when I actually decided one time in my life to say out loud, I just said, Lord, I have tried to do things my way, and it hasn't worked out exactly like I would have liked it to.
Lord, I want what you want. And I actually said it out loud by myself. And my life absolutely started to transform. That's what our gospel is about today. That if we let Jesus enter into our life, he will absolutely transform it. But so often we put these shields and these force fields up around our lives because we're afraid that he's going to take away more than he gives. Our Lord Jesus Christ will never, ever be outdone in generosity. When I gave my life to the Lord, when I became a priest, he has given me more than my wildest dreams. And I, I mean, I could, I could truly stand here for an hour telling you about all the different ways that he's exceeded my expectations. Not taken away, but given me more than I ever thought that I could receive. So that's the lesson for each one of us. If we've been putting up some sort of a barrier or force field to the Lord, we could always say it again. Lord, I want what you want. Lord, here I am. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. God bless you all today.